really life is the story that we tell ourselves, especially a story that we repeat. 91% of thoughts are the same as yesterday for you. So you only have 9% to wiggle with. And by that, you won't probably believe it because, you know, you're used to what you grew up from generations and we hear the stories and what happens in our family. So you have to change your beliefs into what you want. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to help you live an active and inspired life. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel J, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. He is one of Australia's most lovable actors. You may have seen him on Neighbours, Winners and Losers, and a bunch of Aussie kids shows like Elephant Princess, Shortcuts, Crush Zone, Ocean Girl and a whole bunch more. Welcome to the show, Damien Bodie. Ray Shay, thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, most <laughs> lovable actors in Australia. I mean, that, that, that's a hard, that, that's a lot of pressure now. So I'm going to have to I don't be, think so. It's, um, I, 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 anyway, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for uh, everything you're doing right now and all the, um, you're just going guns blazing uh, with, oh, with, with, with what you're doing with your, your fitness. Uh, and I tell you what, it's inspiring. Every time I see any of your videos on the socials, I'm like, I got to get my ass out of this chair and, st- and <laughs> get into boxing like Rach. Uh, uh, it's, um, it's, yeah, I of course love fitness. That's, uh, this is why it's kind of good. I, I do enjoy being on, um, I'm, I'm excited to be on your show and what we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah, is- I'm so, so excited. One thing, Damo, I, I will say is like, uh, obviously, I know Sweeney through you. So guys who are listening, Sweeney Young is uh, one of our mutual friends. I actually met Sweeney through Damo. Sweeney was on the show last season. And one of the things that Sweeney and I always say to each other when we catch up with each other is that we always feel so good after we see you because you your energy is so infectious, literally every time we catch up. And I would say, Damo, that you... If I had to describe you, it would be basically sunshine in human form. That's you. Uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to take compliments in this day and age, uh, and I for that I thank you. But I'm trying to get better at that, uh, so I really appreciate You're it. Listen, so good at it. You, you and you and Sweeney too, and even the three of us. Uh, you know, we have a long history, and, we, and we've gone way back, and have a whole bunch of fun in our lives uh, together. And it is that thing where, you know, that it really we bring that out of each other. And so I, you yeah. know, it's nice that you say that about me, but I, I feel like I can only be that uh, around you uh, if you're, if oh. I'm getting that off you. You know, it's, it's oh, that's so nice. It's kind we've, of we've known each other for a long time. We've known each other since, like I had to look it up. Uh, Two thousand and four was when we first met each other, and that so that's seventeen years, Demo. We've known wow. each other seventeen years. Wow. And we we met on the set of Hating Alice and Ashley. So do you remember anything from those days? Do you remember? Of course. Anything from that set? I mean, listen, it was one of those things. Delta Goodrum was the biggest star in Australia at the time. Uh, she was doing a movie and we all sort of got to go along for the ride. We were, we were just hanging out on set and getting to know each other. And, um, yeah. and of course, there was uh, plenty of actors who had done stuff and a lot of people that were just first-timers too. So it was a really exciting thing that we all got to uh, discover this film together. Saskia Burmeister, um, who played so uh, uh, the, the the lead in the sh- in the movie, was so good in that in that film. And uh, Delta was just so sweet as well. People always so ask me like, well, she was just so adorable. And I mean, she 
um, you know, Born to Try had gone number one. Her album with Innocent Eyes was just so huge at the time. She was so incredibly famous and uh, and she was just so sweet. She was adorable and she was learning it too. She'd only really sort of done Neighbours before and um, and uh, it was it was wild. And, and to be honest, the, so fun. the premiere of that film was probably one of the most exciting premieres I've ever been a part of. It really was uh, epic. It was. What did you like about it? Because you've been to heaps of premieres. I've been to heaps, then, heaps of premieres, but it was at Victoria Gardens yeah. in Richmond and it was just so large and so exciting, I think. Um, and, you know, especially for Aussie film, you always get passionate and excited about Aussie film and you yeah. want, want it to do well. And the book was such a huge success. And, um, and another good mate of mine, Alex Capelli, who was uh, Barry Hollis um, uh, in, the, in the film as well. Like it was just such a, such a great night. Um, and even I think I remember we, we rocked up at the premiere in the bus that's in the film. Yeah, we did. The we bus. did. We did. <laughs> so th- yeah, that was their that was their big um our, made our big entrance because we wanted to use. I think they wanted to use some of the the set. I guess yes, as part of they the just wanted premiere. to make, yeah. make get people excited. So that's that's where we yeah. go back. And and Sweeney, um, it's funny. I have never worked with Sweeney, but I, I knew him. He did Neighbors after I'd done Neighbors and through mutual friends and all that sort of stuff. And and then we all got to know each other over in LA. And so that's right. That's where we had a whole bunch yeah. of time together. There were so many cool times in LA, but we'll come, we'll come back to that because I think like the, we'll, we'll get into some fun memories of that. But like obviously being an actor, I feel like you've been an actor pretty much your whole life because you've been doing it since you were a kid and going to LA, doing the, the Hollywood thing, you are so familiar with having big dreams obviously and goals and pursuing them. So I'm so interested to know firstly – I think what is associated with having dreams is is having courage to follow them, right? So tell me how you firstly had the courage to follow your dreams and secondly, the belief that it's possible to actually achieve those dreams because they're massive goals, massive dreams. I think where my, my – I was very lucky that at a young age I started early. So it meant that – when you are a child, you dream in general. You're always daydreaming. Yeah. And you always, you watch a movie and you think, well, why can't I do that? And then you watch a TV show and you say, I'd love to do something like that. And so we're not yet filtered by society um, to sort of block any of those original ideas or possibilities. And so I was always very nurtured by my 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 mom and my dad and they, they let me chase that dream. At first, they were certainly because when I was young, I struggled with reading. Uh, I was a very shy kid. So definitely going into acting when I was hassling them about it seemed like the the worst thing that I could probably do. But it was actually <laughs> how I sort of got out of, um, you know, sort of found a, a comfort zone to a degree. Um, I got out of my comfort zone, but found another one um, and sort of getting to work with adults. It's a whole other thing. When you're a child and you're working with adults, it's sort of What's great is it means that um, you don't really get mixed up in the politics of school. When you're at yes. school, there's there's cliques and there's groups and there's hierarchy and there's it's all of that. But when you're in sort of the workforce already as a child, you sort of you rock up. I remember one day at school rocking up and asking just someone how they were, and uh, and they were like, "Oh, what? no one ever asked that, you know," because you'd rock up at school by the lockers and just say, "Hey." Hey, hey. It'd never be like, how are yeah. you? Like, how's your day yeah. going? Like, what, what's your week been like? 
you know, so it, it's kind of, um, for me, I grew up really quickly, but at the same time, like I'd, I'd realized that I, things would come true that if you just, you, you start with a dream and a wish and that, uh, if you had faith in it and believed in it, that it would just become real. Now, certainly over my life, I lost that internally. Yes. And that's what growing up and becoming an adult is, uh, you know, <laughs> I was, I, I grew up a, an optimist and over many years, uh, I became a pessimist. And I think that's right. what hurt me for a couple of years there. Um, it, 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 well, it didn't hurt me badly, but I'm just saying that it was sort of probably my darker period was when I sort of let self-doubt, um, mm. you know, I let uh, out exterior, uh, you know, sort of things affect my interior. Yeah. And, and we, are, we are so affected on so many levels, whether it be, you know, uh, it's a thing of like, like we know in fitness, if you are what you eat, you know, it's mm. sort of you are what you absorb. So it's it's now even for me, it's like it's it, I am what I say, and mm. and I am what I see, and I am what I uh, watch, and I am what I feel. So on so yeah. many different levels, uh, you know, I sort of came back to this optimism point where there was a point where I sort of had almost given up on my dreams because they seemed yeah. uh, that that it was impossible. Um, yeah. It seemed not possible. Yeah. So for me. Um, you know, and, and I, I really try to reiterate this as much as anybody is you have to dream. And I don't just mean at nighttime. I, I like to liken it to when you in a lucid dream, you know, you fall asleep and sometimes you're in a dream and you know you're in a dream. And when you know yes. you're in a dream, you act completely different. You do things yeah. differently because you're like, oh, great. I'm in control of this. What do I want to do? I want to fly. Great. I'll fly. And so in life, the hard thing is we think like a dream, it's out of our control. We sort of mm. sometimes kick back and say, oh, well, this situation is what it is. I guess I, there's nothing I can do about it. But you have total control. Um, in, if you control your mind, then you control reality uh, to yeah. yourself. And that is the hard thing in this world. You know, there's 8 billion people and there's 8 billion point of views. And uh, so really you need to be rock solid in what yours is. And so now, even for me, uh, I've got back into vision boards, you know, like, like putting images uh, or even affirmations in the morning or night. Um, and also just the power of, I was made aware of this by Neville Goddard. Um, and also Wayne Dyer talks about it too. Uh, mm -hmm. The two words, I am. Yeah. They are, so incredibly powerful. They might seem useless. They might seem like I am, like what I am. But from an early age, I had I had locked into myself as I am dyslexic. Like mm -hmm. I am not a good reader. I am uh, not great. I am not an intellectual. That's the thing too, like especially artistic people um, often don't think they're intellectual because maybe they didn't excel in mathematics or English or writing or grammar. And so for me, I, I lumped that on myself by basically uh, stating it, I am, I am those things. And really life is the story that we tell ourselves, especially a story that we, we repeat our entire life. So I'm 36 now. And to be honest, for 32 years, I repeated that I couldn't read. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I could read because I've, got, I've been doing scripts. So what a lie that was. Yeah. Like, I read scripts and I love reading scripts. I can read scripts really fast and I can absorb that information. But when it's a novel, 
you know, yeah. I used to, or just even, um, you know, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, you know, the words would just all get jumbled. Um, and for a long time, I thought I'm not great at cold reading. Like, you know, in class at school, I would always fear the day that the teacher would get me up and, and, and say, okay, now can you read this passage? And I'd be like, oh, uh, you know, I'd get so nervous. You know, I'd be worried about big words and all that sort of stuff. And so once I realized that the power of, of I am. So to be honest, yes. if, if you want to be healthy, but you feel like you're not, then just start saying, I, I, I'm feeling revitalized. I'm feeling energetic. I am feeling yeah. healthy. I am feeling strong. You know, I am. And, and for a long time, I thought I didn't have good skin. So it's like, ah, I am, you know, I, I, I have terrible skin or I, you know, all that sort of stuff. And once you start to change the words, then you start to believe in yourself more. And that's what dreams are. If you have a dream, of, yeah. it can be, it can be making millions of dollars. It can be the big house. It can be the career. It can be the Instagram followers, whatever it is. If you repeat it and, and know that you are it and just sort of uh, don't limit your belief, then the sky's the limit and, and you can do anything. Yeah, because you kind of also have talked about this whole idea of uh, often people say, I'll believe it when I see it, whereas we have to kind of flip that around to to have the philosophy be more, I'll see it when I believe it. So the belief comes first and then you kind of get to see the outer expression of what it is that you are affirming to yourself is basically what you're saying, right? Yes. And I realized this only in recent years from the books that I've read now. We do, we will see it when we believe it. And it is, yeah. it is the power that, that, you know, I, when I was a kid, um, I believed it was possible and then I achieved those goals. And when I stopped believing that those goals were achievable, achievable they dried up and they, mm. they weren't there anymore and those opportunities didn't come and so once I realized what I had done naturally as a child and now I've learned my lesson, now I'm an adult, um, you know, I, I, I changed it. And one of my favorite actors of all time is Jim Carrey and he talks about manifestation constantly. You know, he wrote yeah. a, a $10 million check for himself, you know, gave himself five years and said for acting services rendered, um, you know, hold it in his wallet. So every time he saw it, he believed it. And then, yeah, and then, you know, 1994, uh, biggest year of his life, uh, he gets, um, you know, dumb and dumber and that check comes mm. and he talks about it on Oprah and, and yeah. really it is that thing of however it is, we, we, I don't care what you believe in. I often talk about this. It's like, whether it, it be God, whether it be, you know, source energy, whether it be the universe, whether it be the simulation theory, whether it even be believing in yourself, it doesn't matter. It's like, even if this is a computer program, it's reprogramming the, the, the system. And, um, so, uh, you know, it, 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 like life wants to give you what you want. The hard thing is too often, especially because news cycle is now 24 seven. When I was a kid, it was at six o'clock, six o'clock, yeah. 30 minutes. Right. Yes. And that was just the day stuff. And then maybe six thirty had current affair and stuff, all that sort of stuff. But it was like an hour maximum, especially for our parents. But now it's 24 seven. Um, on the networks, you know, whether it be around the globe, you know, coming in live and it is their job to startle you. Now that's not anything wrong with them. Good on them. Uh, because they're just trying to sell advertising space. So, so is television. They're just trying to make mm. money and sell the advertising space. So you have to forgive them. There's no blame. I, you know, blame doesn't work either, but it is the thing of, of knowing that, okay, are you in the right place to take this information on? Because often this information is first thing we wake up. We look at our news Instagram feed. 
and and it and it can really make us stressed. Yeah. Um, to be aware aware of where you're at yes. when you're consuming. Les, yeah. Les Brown talks about. He says he will not read a newspaper or look at the news until twelve after he's done his meditations, after he says yep. his positive affirmations, and after he feels really good because then he can take the information he sees and it he it can sink in but not take over his life. And that's the hard thing that often. Um, you know, the news is the news to be like, this is the worst things happening right now. And and really yeah. it needs to be like, okay, that, that's that's terrible. But uh, most of us will take that on and go, oh, life is bad. People are bad. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. And then they'll just sort of feel that all day long. And, um, and now, you know, now is the greatest challenge around the world with everything that's going on is, is to just uh, be able to test uh, your minds. And so, and even, yes. I, I even say this with, with television series too, uh, so many TV shows are dystopian futures. And not that there's anything wrong with these shows. I love watching them too, as long as you know when to switch off and maybe watch a comedy right before bed. Because if yes. you watch these dystopian shows right before bed, you will, as, as Wayne, uh, Wayne Dyer says, you will marinate in that overnight. Like you will just literally feel like, oh, the world is ending, uh, life is awful, and now I'm going. And then you're going to wake up in that. You're already in the cycle. Like your mind doesn't switch off. It's like the subconscious. And at the moment, it's like it's like the news is kind of the same. It's the same story being told anyway. So really, you're getting if you're. It's more about being conscious about the the stories and the messaging that you are putting into your body, I suppose, or to your mind as well, and and the time of day. Like you're saying, at nighttime, if it's just before, then that's going to be in your mind the last thing that you've just watched or listened or, or you know, sort of ingested into yourself. And, th- yeah. and this is the thing of, of Napoleon Hill uh, quotes in his book, Think and Grow Rich, where he talks about um, faith, which is basically belief. It's that concept of if you have faith in something or a dream and you believe it's going to happen or you have faith it's going to happen. Um, but, but he also says, like, you can – make your mind believe things. And that's what affirmations are. Affirmations might seem silly at the time because if, if you want, you know, a million dollars, saying that I have a million dollars might seem ridiculous. But it is the concept of by repeating it enough, and that's what the news is. If it's repeating enough, you start to believe it, you start to see it, you start to stress about it. And so uh, for me, it, it is the concept of uh, you need to repeat your dreams constantly to yourself and the program will start to link them in. That They he labels it in the book of like crime. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, when we first uh, come across crime, uh, we're, we're, you know, we want to disassociate with it. We don't like it. We don't uh, tolerate it. We're not interested in it. Um, I sort of say the same thing with like smoking cigarettes or, mm-hmm. you know, like bad behavior. It's like when you first come across it, you're like, oh, I don't like that. That's not great. And then over time, it's you become a little bit more, uh, if you're around crime a lot, you become a little bit more tolerable of it. No, okay, it's fine. Like, yeah, they're doing what they're doing and that's all fine. But if you're around crime enough, you start to do it, you know. You start to become desensitized Des- to it. Desensitized. So it becomes normal. It becomes normal. Right. And then you think, oh, well, why wouldn't I steal that? You know, like no one's going to yeah. know. And then sort of you start yeah. living that life. And so that's why criminals or, or certain neighborhoods or things that they've grown up in, and that's why it can be hard to shake everything we've learned. Mm. Bruce Lipton talks about the first seven years we're living in this hypnosis state for the first seven years. Mm. So everything in that first seven years, we're just absorbing to try and work out how to fit into the world, basically survive. 
it's like, okay, I talk to people like this or I react like this. And the parents, how, how they teach, everything they teach is going in and absorbing into this child. And that becomes 95% of your subconscious. So we're living in a 95% subconscious place and and we only live in 5, 5% conscious. And I heard the, the, the quote of like 91% of thoughts are the same as yesterday for you. So you only have 9% to wiggle with. And by that, you won't probably believe it because, you know, you're used to what you grew up from generations and we hear mm. the stories and what happens in our family. So it really is, I, 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 you have to, you know, change your beliefs into what you want. And I know it might seem like, oh, you, you're sounding like you're just trying to uh, brainwash yourself, but really you are, you know, and, and, and happiness honestly is a choice. And if you choose to be happy like that's why some people you just know and and like you guys you guys are such bright sunshine you and sweeney same thing like sweeney is so funny and he, <laughs> he every time he talks to me and he's like man you make me so happy i was like man you make me so happy but he would, <laughs> he would never see that it's easy to see it in other people but yeah. whether he would you know and that's why i'm trying to get better at like compliments is because humans we like to deflect we just really like yeah. to oh i don't believe you um, I deflect. You need to receive the compliment, Damo. Receive the compliment. Receive the compliment and then start, <laughs> to, start to believe it, you know. Believe it, because, that's right. Because, you know, what Sweeney does with his job, uh, you know, he helps people for a living, you know. So Sweeney's a psychologist now, just by the way, those of you listening. He he was an actor and then he's become a psychologist now. <laughs> and I always joke that he, he was too, he's too selfless uh, for the selfish profession of acting. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he, that's he, true. He wants to give. and that, But the same thing is with acting too. Like we want to entertain. You know, we want to bring joy. That's why you're doing this podcast. You want to help people. That's why you're doing um, all of these incredible training videos uh, and, and giving people live on your socials, you know, free, free exercise videos. Like you're trying to make a difference. You're trying to bring joy to someone's life. And so that's, that's when you break it down. What I'm really trying to do in my career now was just first to, you know, I'd love to do movies and get famous. And really, I just want to bring joy. And we see this in people like Matthew McConaughey. Look at his journey mm, where he was doing rom-coms, yeah. earning, you know, $12 million a movie. He decided he wanted to win an Oscar, right? Then he had to knock back massive paid movies. Then, yes. then he, you know, he got by his Dallas club. But while he was losing the weight for that, he got asked by Martin Scorsese to uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, where he did his famous... Mm, and then, it, you know, that was Leo just saying, oh, why don't you do that, like, in the scene? Like, that wasn't scripted. That's just what yeah, he does. Yeah, that was all improv. All yeah. improv. And then anyway, he does that movie, does Buyers Dallas Club, wins the Oscar, then does Interstellar, all of these huge movies, releases this massive book, like, last year, um, beautiful book. And then, and then even the aspect of now he's got a YouTube channel. Yeah. So if we're looking at someone that you're going, okay, from rom-coms to Oscars, to massive Christopher Nolan movies, to uh, books, to YouTube, you know, when most people can just skip straight to YouTube, of course they can, but all, all he wants, and honestly, that's what I see with Will Smith, and that's what I see with most people when I see, you know, the big stars, the, the, you know, the greatest ones at it, where they're just trying to bring joy. You know, yeah. Matthew McConaughey knows that he can bring joy through his movies, but if he can do a, a YouTube channel and tell stories about his career or tell people to chase their dreams. That's what green lights is. You know, it's that idea of just like believing, going for it and achieving it. So it's, there are inspiring people around you. And often when you get in alignment or you start feeling good and you start getting happy, you see more of the more evidence everywhere.
it, it's like why, you know, Jordan Peterson says it's like when things get bad, they get worse. But when things get good, they get better. And that's why sometimes… Because you're focusing on the, the good things or focusing on the, the things that you want to perpetuate in your life rather than what you don't want. What you don't want. And that's why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And, and, mm. and often it's, it's easy to look at the rich and blame. You know, when really we should be looking at the rich and saying, how did they do it? And to be honest, they've all got a book, read it, and you'll know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just are, figure it out. Figure it by, out. By, by, by looking at someone who's doing what you want to do. I think that's a, another great point too is, is role modeling is a great thing that a lot of, uh, I guess, coaches talk about is like looking for someone who's doing what you want to do. And you might not have, uh, you know, sort of materialized that in your life as yet. But if you look to someone who's who's doing what you want to do, figure out how they did it and then go about doing what they did to achieve exactly what you want to do as well. Yeah. And it's too easy, especially when you're in a negative mindset for those things to become a jealousy or blame. I call it jealousy where it's like you're living in this jail of your mind. You're letting them live rent free, you know, but it's this concept of really it's admiration in a negative form. You know, it's like anybody that you get jealous of is really you're just admiring what they're doing and wish you were doing it. But the hard exactly. thing is we're often not judging people from the chapter that they're on. So if somebody is doing what they're doing, then just think, okay, well, they're on chapter seven. I'm still on chapter three. I'm still learning. Mm. And to be honest, if you if you look at those role models, they can save you a decade. By, by, yeah. Because they've made, the, they've made all the, the wrong mistakes. The mistakes, exactly. And you can learn from their journey. Look at what they've done and then – those books are really great. Like if you if you find somebody that you can follow, um, because they will tell you they'll give you the blueprint of what to do to achieve the dreams that you want to achieve. Um, going to LA, I feel like was a big dream. I feel like a lot of actors we all have you know dreamed to go to LA, do the Hollywood thing, and I feel like that was a really big part. I know for me it was a, a really massive part of my acting career, and I enjoyed it so much. And I I wanted to find out. Do you have some really favorite memories of our time in LA? But I also want to find out what you learned about yourself in LA as well. So firstly, what were your favorite memories from LA? Well, it, it is kind of funny. And this is what I, what I should really um, emphasize to anybody listening or watching is that the strange thing about memories are often at the time you're very stressed but you often, the, the fond <laughs> memories you look back on, you're like, oh, greatest time in my life. Like, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up those memories like for anything. But at the time, you're actually not. So I, I realized that's where it, the book, you know, uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle mm. is such a big one because it made me aware that I wasn't being present. And, right. and there's the quote by Lao Tzu, which is, uh, you know, if you're feeling depressed, it's because you're, you're living in the past. If you're feeling anxious, it's because you're living in the future. Um, but if you're feeling at peace, it's because you're living in the present. And, and so many times, and now I live the state of like, you know, I've got a young baby and, you know, I, we, we, you know, me and my wife are here. We just had our two year anniversary that now I live my life. Like, um, this is the greatest time of my life. Like this is the greatest time of my life because too many times I will look back on early days in Los Angeles or, you know, uprooting myself and, and, and disappearing overseas and sort of looking at it as a struggle or, or that, you know, like at the time I thought it was, it was hard or I, I would, to be honest, was worried about running out of money. You know, that, that for young people too is like, it's always about money and it's always stressful. Yeah. 
Um, Just so you know too, guys, when you're in LA uh, as an actor, you can go over there and work as an actor, but you can't actually get work until you have work as an actor, if that makes sense. Oh, it's a strange strange scenario of, of like to get an O-1 visa, you need a job offer. But a job won't hire you really unless you have a visa, but they can get you. It's this Catch-22. It's Catch-22. Catch-22. And now it's gotten a whole lot harder. So, listen, this this was, you know, 13 uh, or or however many years ago. I I don't know, 15 years ago? 17 years? When when was this? I I can't even remember the first time. I can't remember. I can't actually remember when. But I think, I mean, I think the first time I went over was 2009. So you would have been... You would have been a year before me, I think. Yes, maybe, yeah, or maybe six right. months around then. Yeah. 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 So it was what, so a while 13, ago. A while we'll, ago, about 13 years or so. And, and, but it's this yeah. thing of like, of like, honestly, I do have some of the fondest memories of my life there in LA. And we were hanging mm. out, everything we were doing. And, and I remember you coming over to my house and saying, there's like this costume party on, we have to go. And I was like, no. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm not going to go to that. <laughs> and this was the old me, is I wouldn't go out on a Saturday night. Because I was like, no, I, I, I'm not going. I don't want to spend money. I'm just like, I, 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 they don't want me at the party. You know when you just start getting in your own way for the wrong reasons? Funny you should say, mention that. This, this oh, costume no. party? Look at this, that costume party. Now, what, what the explanation yeah. of that is, is that I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have a costume. So what do you do? You make things out of all the aluminium foil that you've got. So I, I became yes, like this, so this is- aluminium man. <laughs> Um, we literally went to we li- I just held up a little picture guys listening on the podcast I just held up a little photo of Damo it was um I remember what it was it was a Halloween party we had to go to or right. we didn't have to go to but we we went to it and we went to the 99 cent store which we did frequent there a lot too I feel yes um bought all the foil and in in the states they call it aluminum so aluminum foil and also some like you know, kind of barbecue trays, foil trays. And we spent, literally it was two hours, Damo, wrapping yeah. you in foil. It probably was. Uh, to, I method. To make this amazing costume. When, when, when it comes to costumes, and this is the funny thing, and, and as you just said it, and this is what I, I should label about myself in the early days or when there was a point there that I think I shifted because I was I was growing up. It was the first time I lived out of home as well, going mm. to LA. So it was the first time I lived out of home, first time I'd really been spending major money. Um, you know, cause I was always a saver. I would always save lots of money and never really spend it. So for me, it was first time. And, and I was living in that fear mentality of, you know, what if I run out of money and, uh, what if they don't like me or what if this, and to be honest, Halloween is one of my favorite times of year. And my wife and I, we dress up every single year. And it's this thing of, of, I think back to that time, as you said, you had to talk me into that party. <laughs> Which seems absurd. What else was I doing? Nothing. I was just going to sit at home by myself alone, right? And you had to talk me into going to this party. So we went out, got this stuff, and wrapped myself for two hours because I was probably like, oh, well, you know, it, you know, it's, it's later getting to the party. And, of course, I could hardly even move. Um, it was so fun. Everybody loved the costume, by the way. I think it was the, be- the best one there. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was over the top and silly. But, um, but it, <laughs> it is that thing of, 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 listen, you know, you're young and you learn and, and really in life, we need to have no regrets. And so now yeah. that's how I'm trying to live now. And uh, is it, literally no regrets. That was such, uh, you know, fun time we've had. And, and really, listen, if we're talking about goals and dreams, when I first went there, my goal and dream was to become uh, a citizen of the US. I, I, I loved America. All, all my favorite movies and, and television series were from there. And I, I wanted to, um, to become an American, uh, like a, a dual citizen. Um, you know, with Australia, and and I accomplished that. And to be honest, I only accomplished that last year. So if we're yeah. talking thirteen years, and that that's why you know 
when you, when you look back on times and think of everything that you've been through um, and, and the rem- uh, remarkable journey, I got everything that I desired, you know. Um, and also with LA, what I should say too is that in life you get what you expect, which is why it's that concept of what you believe. And so, uh, and, and so you know, with success and all that sort of stuff, it's like you, you get what you expect. So if things are going to be hard, they're going to get hard. If you, get, if you fear running out of money, you're going to run out of money. You know, yeah. if, if you worry too, but it all works out and it all, um, it always works out in a, in a beautiful, remarkable way if you have faith and just believe it will. Yeah. And I think this idea about like what you, you, you put into your body and your mind is, is so important. And the book, there's another book that you, I think, really like is The Hidden Messages in the Water by Masura Emoto. Yes. I think that's how you yes. say it. So that's kind of inspired you a little bit, right? Yeah. So tell, tell me a bit about that because that kind of elaborates on what we've just been talking about in terms of what you are consuming in terms of your um, media consumption, what you say to yourself, all of that kind of stuff. Can you explain why that book has been impactful to you? Yes. Hidden Messages uh, in Water is kind of remarkable. It's a, it's a study. It's a, a Japanese uh, scientist, Mizuru Emoto, um, did this study and wrote this book. And, um, and it, what they were doing were they just wanted to take water from all around the world, whether it be polluted, whether it be holy water, whether it be all of these things, and uh, freeze it and put it under the microscope and just see what it looked like. And uh, what they were also doing too uh, was they were taking, you know, jars of water and putting labels on it. So they were writing love or thank you um, in multiple languages, mind you, on these things. And what they found uh, – was incredible when they would we would freeze these blocks after they'd been you know labeled freeze them and put them under the microscope and as they were melting uh the images they were able to capture in the photos and the book has all beautiful images you can even google these images um yeah. things like the love snowflakes like the snowflakes they look gorgeous like yes. snowflakes and they're so beautiful and uh then there was also jars with negative words on them and when they looked under the microscope, they caught, caught images of like broken and shattered and, and just awful uh, looking water. It also was affected by music, um, yes. you, know, uh, you know, Mozart and some of the classics and then also even just death metal and all this kind of stuff. But also the fascinating thing with not only the words and the other languages was, was that the words also in different languages, um, you know, looked similar so basically they were stating that the meaning, the meaning yes. behind the word affected the water. Mm. So this is kind of an interesting thing, guys, that if the, the meaning of the label would affect water and humans are 70% water and the earth is 70% water, um, then, and also they've also worked out that, that water has a memory. That water has a memory and really the only way to neutralize that is to freeze it so that the the ice caps kind of like that's, you know, untapped memory. That's like, you know, an erased hard drive. Um, But everything it touches, it's picking up parts. And and even I'm not sure if it was in that book or this other one where they they dropped a vial of uh, that was like airtight vial of poison into uh, water um, accidentally, I believe. And then they took it out, but then gave that water to, to, to mice, unfortunately, and it poisoned them. So the strange thing was, is even through the glass to glass, there was no contact oh, wow. of the poison. 
It was almost like the information crossed over. It um, still seeped through seeped somehow. Through. And so mm. the reason I say this is that honestly, and this comes back to the I am, is the labels we place on ourselves really affects us. And, and you know, the funny saying of like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, it's not really true. Words won't hurt because words are meaning. Words are just words, but the meaning, the meaning behind, behind the yes. words. So, you know, if you grow up with a parent that says you're no good, you know, or or um, or even a, a partner, a relationship partner that says, you know, you're nothing. Um, you know, those things, the meaning behind them can really affect you and hurt you. And yeah. so whatever you want to do, um, the way around that is to label yourself what you want. And, yeah. and that can be the hard thing. And that's honestly why, and this is, you know, it was over many years of cutting out things in my life that uh, I, I, you know, quit. You know, one, one year for New Year's resolution, I was like, I'm going to quit swearing. Now, I'm not a big mm. swearer, mind you. Like, I don't swear that often. I don't think I've ever heard you swear. No, actually, well, don't and I? the funny thing was, is I think the reason I did this and New Year's resolution is I, is I swore once in front of my mom and she said, I've never heard you swear. And I was like, I was like probably 31. And I was like, you've never heard me swear. And I just did. How all, like, I, I, I. I didn't want to in front of my mom. I was like, <laughs> that's awful that I did. And I, I didn't mean to, and it was an accident. And, and also, you know, I, 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 I can filter myself around certain people. I definitely will never swear in front of kids. That's for sure. But I always mm. noticed friends that I had that couldn't stop swearing in front of kids, no matter what mm. they did, even if it was their kids, they, they couldn't stop swearing. And I was like, wow, isn't it funny? It's like you become a, you just, it's habit. And so, yes. and I it tried to shake many habits in my life. And so that was one, because I just didn't want to. And even, listen, I love rap music. And I even don't swear when I'm rapping, the, 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 you know, the, the music. So, oh, you've got to look up, you've got to look up Damo. What's that one you did from the Animaniacs on the Telethon ages ago? Yes. Oh, so was on- Telethon, I was given a challenge uh, to, to, well, who knew all the countries of the world? And so I just remembered from the Animaniacs, um, you know, uh, Yakko Warner did all the countries of the world uh, to a great theme and, so I did it live. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, just look up Daniel yeah, Brody. Yeah, on YouTube. Nations of the World. Uh, it's there where I label all it's the nations. It's pretty epic. It's very, very impressive. It's, it's fun. It, because it's live in front of a live audience and live TV, it's hard to sort of hear me. But I do I do sort of get all the countries in there. But it, but it's that thing of the labels we put on ourselves. So, And this yes. is the hard thing too of like, and like we know with weight loss, is, is what are the labels you're saying? The, the term fat you know, or like, or even self-doubt, like a lot of the time, like even, you know, and I, you know, girls I've dated or I hear from friends, you know, like, oh, I just, you know, when I'm skinny, like when I'm skinny, this term skinny, um, you know, is, is a hard one. And also like, if you don't believe it, or it seems like I'd never be that, or I'm overweight or I'm, you know, it's like, you, you just, those labels don't help you. You know, it's yeah. like, you, you got to flip it more to self-love place. I think is, yes. is, I think what you're saying is, coming from a place of uh, more looking at what you do want rather than what you don't want because that loop kind of gets keeps you stuck in a pattern of negative thinking and that negative thinking just perpetuates and instead of giving you what it is that you actually want, it's just building more of what you don't want. So it's flipping the language around what you're saying to yourself is what you're saying, yes. right? And, and the confusing thing yeah. for most people, especially when they're trying to change something in their lives, 
is they're often worried that if they're thankful for what they have right now, like the body or the job that they don't like, um, that they're worried that if they are thankful for it, they're going to keep it. But like with, yes. with water, I honestly believe it's the same thing. Like the universe knows what you mean. You know, so if you're into a place of like, I feel great, I feel energetic, I feel healthy, I feel I feel slender, I feel uh, strong, uh, you know, I feel revitalized, all of those things. And, and even if you don't feel some of those things, but you repeat it enough, then you will. And Jim Rohn says it best where he sort of says, and these things are addictive, where he, he sort of says, if you don't, you know, um, go for that walk around the block, then you probably won't eat an apple a day. And then you probably won't get that book and add it to your library and read. You know, it's that thing of, honestly, health is addictive. And yeah. like, like you know, because it's, it's your industry, is that often if you work out and exercise, you don't want to eat that nasty food because you don't, you're feeling good. And honestly, mm. and, and it's so weird that honestly, if you trick your mind enough, like I cut out refined sugars, from my diet um, because I just was like, no, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm healthy. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling good and I'm healthy. And then all of a sudden, if I do eat something with it, my body hurts from it. It just rejects it. And so similar with coffee, like I wanted to get off coffee. I wanted to quit coffee. And so I eventually got to the, where now I can't handle, if I do coffee, I become anxious my mind runs, my body just doesn't feel right. Like it's basically, you know, I've, I've morphed my body into, into the opposite of, of basically saying you don't want that now. It's kind of what they say with hy hypnotherapy and people trying to quit smoking, that, you know, hypnotherapy can work the best because it basically makes them realize that it, it is, that they don't want it. You know, they, they yes. don't actually want to do it and they don't like it and they don't enjoy it. Well, it's just a habit. All it is is a habit. So, you know, with coffee especially, refined sugars is a big one as well where people are addicted to almost the – it's a, the habitual nature of doing something, you know, uh, coffee and, and smoking especially. You can – if you can switch out the habit for something else – to give you the same, because usually it's to give you some sort of feeling or there's something attached to the thing that you actually do. Like you can choose something that's healthier for you, you know, that will give you the same outcome that you're trying to achieve with this habit, you know. You've got to figure out what that is for you though, you know. What, what is it that sugar is giving you? What is it that caffeine is giving you? And how can we change that to something else? I mean, if it's just like a morning coffee, you can always have a decaf. I know it's hard, you know, and it, and it to is, begin with. Yes. And as any, a, any change is hard. And as a disclaimer, the, the, the point is, and we're not judging anything that anybody does. I, I don't care if anybody exactly. smokes, drinks, what, what they, anybody can eat whatever they want. It, it's the concept mm. as long as you're feeling good. One, one book that changed a lot for me was Recovery by Russell Brand. And this book was great. It's, mm. it's, it's about the 12 steps, basically, uh, from the AA and what's but in his, you know, Russell Brand way. And that's why it's so great. I just listen to it because I love Russell Brand. I listen to the audiobook yeah. so I could get more of the Russell Brandism. And yes. <laughs> um, but what I found fascinating with it is what he explained is, you know, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what it is. You could be addicted to, you know, drugs, um, alcohol, sex, cake, you know, your phone. You know, it, it's mm. it, it, you could be addicted to anything. And that's where yes. I realized I was addicted to acting. And, really? and the reason that I, I realized it is because I always felt that people only liked me because of it. 
I felt that I was my best person when I was doing it. And what would people say when they, when they have to have a drink at a party around people? They're just like, oh, I'm more fun to talk to. Or it just, you know, it's an icebreaker. Or, you know, it's those right. kind of things. So for me, that was a big hurdle getting over. And that's why it's interesting to sort of look at it where you don't know what it'll be in your life. You're like, you know what? I am a little bit too addicted to that. And that's why uh, coffee for me, and there's nothing wrong with coffee, enjoy coffee, but I realized I couldn't be without it. And when, mm. when, when I had to have it, and even to be honest, I make smoothie bowls now. And, you know, when I go stay at like, uh, you know, my in-laws place, I'm like, ah, oh, no, I don't have to have a smoothie bowl. I can go without it. I can do porridge today. It's okay. You know, because I don't want to be locked into have to do this. And I'm not happy yeah. if I don't get, you know, my fruit in yes. the morning or whatever the meal is or whatever the drink is. Yeah. Well, you also transitioned into being a vegan about seven years ago. Uh, how's that going? Because I know this happened in LA. I remember I remember. I like left town for a little bit, came back and you're like, I'm a vegan now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So tell me what actually initially made you decide to make this choice for yourself and what's the hardest thing about being a vegan well here's here's the here's the thing is and i do want i need a disclaimer before talking about this subject because to be honest i don't think i've ever talked about being vegan um in publicly before um Mm. is it's the concept of there is stigma around it and that's why a lot of people are using the term plant-based because it just doesn't sound as frightening As, as vegan. Yes, okay. But, um, but, but, the, but the only reason is, is, and I often say this, and maybe it's because people have come around it, it's the same as, you know, I'm very spiritual. Um, you know, there would be elements of religious in there, sort of, you know, from things that I've discovered and felt and, you know, the presence and all this sort of exciting stuff. But it's the thing of like, like plant-based or vegan is, is I treat it like religion where it's fine if it works for you, but just don't preach it. Yeah. So, so, so it is, it is the concept of like, I don't want anybody to think, um, which I always get now is that whenever anyone talks to me about it, people often come to you with guilt. Like the amount of people that are like, oh, you know, I am trying to cut back meat. You know, I am doing like one. And I'm like, oh man, I, you know, that's fine. Like do whatever you want. Like, yeah. like yeah. It, it's, it's what suits no you. No judgment. If you want to no do judgment. what you want to do. And, and yeah. I know, and that's what I don't want people or, or at least plant-based community to be is judgment. So for me, I just have to say that is that I'm not saying this to preach or saying, trying to make anybody feel anything. For me, it was the first thing I should say is that the big turn for me came when I just started eating well. It wasn't eating less meat or anything. It was just, I went from, and I think it came from literally uh, Jamie's Food Revolution. There was only two shows I ever really watched in LA was Jamie's Food Revolution (laughs) And Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. Now, if you watch Jamie's oh, Food no. Revolution, you realize that what they were feeding in schools is awful and it's all preservatives mm. and all that sort of stuff. And what Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares is, is that it, all the bad kitchens were basically serving frozen food. Yeah. And, and I only ever really ate frozen food, you know, um, especially in America. So easy, like like TV dinners. So easy. There's so much crap over there. There's this meal called Hungry Man. It was a dollar from Ralph's and it would come with a fried bit of chicken, a thing of corn, some mashed potato that would have, would have not been potato at all. Um, and, and a brownie, right. For a dollar. Now for a yeah. dollar, how good is that food for you? Not, a, it's, it's going to last forever. Even if it's yeah. frozen, this is no good. So for me, that's, I started to just sort of go, oh, okay, fresh. I should eat more fresh. 
So I started to eat more fresh. And then, and then the next step for me was ingredients. And this is just a simple thing that I understand the biggest argument to this would, would be that people don't have time. But what changed it for me, um, also what changed from, I used to just buy the cheapest. So if you look at a pasta sauce, it'd be what's the cheapest pasta sauce. But then it became about reading the back. And I would start to read the back of the all the pasta jars. And the point is, once you've done it, you know. So, so once you've done it for like, oh, there's five brands and you look through them. And I was like, I started to, to, to eradicate anything I didn't know what it was as an ingredient or two, sugar. Because sugar yeah. was the number one additive in most products, especially in America. It, it's what yeah. gives shelf life, and especially say even just as something as simple as pasta sauce. Now, and corn syrup is the other thing too, which is essentially just sugar as well. Sugar, That's and, the thing they put in everything. And guys, so don't be confused. And this is where they can they trick you: is you know natural sweetener, sugar. You know, mm. it, it, you know dextrose, molasses, multidextrin, like all of these are sugars. And so, mm. um, so so anything added to, added. I tried to avoid. And often you would find one source that just didn't have it in it. Now, that's as simple as it started, was just, oh, this pasta sauce has tomatoes, water, garlic, you know, some herbs. Um, that doesn't sound too bad. Like yeah. the other ones have 30 ingredients and they taste basically the same. So I'll just start buying the ones. And now, first off, you know, if you're looking at pasta jars, that might take, you know, five minutes and it might be a little tedious and a little annoying and you think, oh, what's that? What's that? And then you start to look them up and you start to know what some of the ingredients are. Um, but then once you know, you always just go to that brand and you always just pick up that one, you know, yeah. once you've got it and you know. And the same with, uh, you know, say even something simple like peanut butter. Now, peanut butter can be peanuts, 100%. That's what <laughs> peanut butter should be. Now, I have started buying peanut butter because I even started to try and eradicate like added salt, you know, because I was like, I want to add my yeah. salt myself. Like I can add it if I want to taste. But, yeah. and that was the thing, you know, another, um, another great audiobook, Sugar, Salt, Fat, which basically talks about the food industry and how they basically got us hooked. But not because they meant to. It's just that there is this perfect balance between the three and how the hard. The sweet spot. The sweet spot and how that That's they know it. that if you want something fat free, it needs to have either a lot of sugar and a lot of fat. And if it's sugar-free, it needs a lot of fat or a lot of salt. Or if it's salt-free, it needs a lot of sugar and a lot of fat. So it's they can't they can't remove all three, right? It, it, it tastes like nothing, right? They've tried that and it doesn't work. So they're just trying to make their product tasty and enjoyable and they're trying to make – what don't people want? They don't want fat. We'll remove that. But we have to add this other thing. And so it, it's the hard balance of additives. And it's it's and once again, no blame. They just want you to purchase their product, and and, and don't we all like we all want to make money? Like it's fine. Um, it, it's hard. It's addictive. And food science is probably one of the most funded sciences in the world. That medications and all that sort of stuff. So it's um, you know, it's it's its own little thing. Um, so so really, for you, if you if, if going forward, uh, I would suggest to anybody before they even change anything in their diet is just try and read the ingredients of what they're eating. And I even started this with even like um, my wife and I found these little um, bars that were pretty much like, because, you know, I had to eradicate muesli bars because that just had like a bazillion things in it, right? Um, yeah. and mostly, mostly sugar. Mostly sugar and, and definitely not vegan. Yeah. 
So mm. it is this thing of, uh, and, and that's the thing, even going vegan, you start to realize milk solids is in not everything. And you're yeah. like, why is it in that? Or why <laughs> is that in that? And also the funny yeah. thing too of like, say Oreos are vegan, but that's not because they meant to be. That's just because they are just trying to be so cheap and, and last on the shelf as long. So it's all just fake chemicals to make it taste yeah. creamy. And um, yeah. and so that's an. I was going to say that it doesn't have any milk solids in that because the cream has to have some sort of dairy. You'd, but you'd think, think you'd think um, mostly sugar, probably. Yes. Now, and also this is the other yeah. thing that I will get onto of don't confuse vegan with healthy. Mm. Is because yes. sugar is vegan, and trust yes. me, I've been addicted to sugar donuts. To, sorry, vegan donuts, and mm. like I would have one a day in LA. Because there's a great yeah. store around the corner for me and literally I'd go to the gym and on the way home, grab a donut on the way, right? So, so don't confuse uh, vegan with healthy. Um, the, the key is really is that I think what started to change is I started to try and eat less ingredients. And when you buy one item, if there's 30, that's hard. But the, the amazing thing is if you want a sweet, you know, um, you know what's a Snickers? I mean, that, that's got so many ingredients in it, but a banana has one. <laughs> I love that. An apple, yeah. you know, like yeah. like it's easy, like an LCM or, you know, or a Krispy Kreme donut, like these have lots of ingredients or, yeah. or a kiwi fruit is yeah. one, one ingredient. You know what I mean? Even, yeah. even yogurt is fine. Like I do coconut yogurt too, lots of ingredients, but avocado, good fats, one ingredient. <laughs> so done. Nice, Fresh. perfect. You know, which is amazing. It's it's good that you've found something that you uh, that works with your lifestyle and that you've been able to incorporate it into something that is just normal that you don't have to think about now. And talking about lifestyle because that's a hard thing. So many friends I've had come to me and they're like, "I'm going vegan," and and they'll last three days and they'll be like, "It was impossible." And I was like, "Yes, because you can't cold turkey." It's like you know, mm. it's like if you just you know, because because you don't know what to eat. So you can't mm. just be like, oh, I'm going vegan. You're like, oh, well, that messes my breakfast up. Okay, I worked that out. Whew. Oh, lunch. Oh, that's hard. What do I what do I eat for lunch? And then dinner. Oh, and then when I go out, what can I order? Yeah. Like, so you're gonna just slowly, slowly incorporate it in. Incorpor yes. If it's just like, oh, grocery shopping, I won't buy as much and I'll try some of the alternate stuff. And if I like mm. it, because once again, guys, don't get me wrong, fake. Fake meat is suspect. Like there is fake bacon that tastes exactly like bacon and it weirds me out because if I wanted bacon, I'll just eat bacon. Yes, I always thought that too. In LA, there's so much soy chicken, soy meat, soy cheese, soy soy replacement things for everything. Soy chicken does not taste like chicken. Yeah, you'll find what works for you. You'll find the delicious treats and the flavours and, you know, I became addicted to bananas. Now I will only do one in my breakfast bowl in the morning. Uh, because that was just the easiest, quickest treat. And I was like, one ingredient, one, one ingredient. ingredient, guys. No, <laughs> one ingredient. So, Damo, you've also talked about this notion of play, and I think I think as actors, we just are more familiar with it because we're really encouraged, I think, to kind of tap into our inner child and and allow that part of ourselves out. But you've kind of reference this, I think, to movement. I've definitely seen you talk about skipping and smiling. And so I really wanted to kind of get into the notion of, well, firstly, movement and how you move your body and the notion of play and how they kind of intertwine in your life, because you really do, I think, c combine the two quite well. well thank you. Right? 
the body is a powerful tool and often and, and the remarkable thing when you do an in drama class uh you know they get you to contort your body and work out what you're doing and how you feel to find the character and mm. honestly it really does affect your your mental state uh you know if, if you're playing someone shy and you're kind of you know down like this that's going to affect you uh to a degree i don't know how um daniel day lewis does it you know, especially for long periods of time, playing these characters and staying in them for so long. But to a, a friend had told me this quote from Tony Roberts, which was the simple thing of literally, if you go like this, it is almost so. Damo's holding his arms. I'm up holding my arms. Up, sorry, like like yeah. like muscles, like a champion, right? If you go yeah. like that and keep holding them up like that, it will actually make you feel good. So if you're not yes. in a good mood and you're not feeling like 100% or you're nervous going into an audition room or you're just not feeling confident or you don't feel like going to the gym, if you do this, it just makes you feel so good. And, and honestly, they have seen blind athletes do it, put their arms up like this. They've never seen anyone do it in their life. Why yeah, do they do right. it? It is a natural, strong, powerful state. And yeah. He talks a lot about um, um, physiology and how your physiology shifts your emotional state, which is which is exactly what Tony Robbins coaches in. He he he. The basis of his coaching is in NLP, which is also what I coach in. So this whole idea of when you shift your physiology, it shifts your mental state is exactly what you're talking about, right? And and all of his courses, he he gets everyone dancing, he gets everyone up in yes. their seat, moving, jumping around, feeling good, feeling ecstatic, so that then uh, it'll absorb. And it'll feel good. Yes. And to be honest, when you're feeling good, the ideas will come to you. Mm. So it's, it's to be honest, the remarkable thing with all of the greatest inventors, it, when they ask like, oh, how do you come up with this stuff? They're like, I just sat and, thank, and thought about it. They would sit and mm. think and it would come. And that's why Napoleon Hill, you know, he interviewed 500 of the most successful men on the planet, the richest men on the planet. And he came to mm. this one title of his book, Think and Grow Rich. That wasn't just like he's making this book up by himself. He studied this, wrote this book over 25 years, and it was Think and Grow Rich. So the physiology and, and, and the power that you have, but definitely your body. Now, I do also will quote Jordan Peterson, who has 12 Rules for Life in his book. He talks about lobsters because he says one of his things is stand up straight, right? Stand up straight. Mm -hmm. And lobsters, you know, they battle with their arms up like this. So they've got their little clab arms like up like a champion, this. And if they go into battle, if they ever lose a battle between another lobster, then they come down and their arms are down yeah. and they're sort of feeling so sort of like a human where their soul has been mm. crushed. So sometimes as kids, we have free spirit, we're super excited, or, you know, after school we come out, we do uni, we do all of this, and then after that world kind of gives us a beating. Or we've been told by people, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you know how hard yes. that is? Oh, that's impossible. Um and so it's this thing of like once you've been beaten down, now the sad thing for this lobster is is that once it's down and, and sort of broken, it will never lift up its arms again. It will never go to the champion post ever again, despite if it's stronger and more fierce than any other lobster. It, wow. it remembers the defeat. And that's the hard thing in life is often we spend too mm. much time on the defeats and, and we take that and into staying our... staying there. And staying there and that physiology. Mm. And so, yeah. and that's why, honestly, like, the gym is addictive. 
is that honestly, it's the hardest part is to get to the gym. Yes, but it's once you're there, taking yourself to taking the gym. yourself yes. to the gym, getting the shoes on is is the workout. Getting the you know getting the, you know you're out the door in the car and doing that drive. That's the real workout. Then once you're there, it's like okay, great. This I I you don't leave straight away. I even used to say this to myself. I was like, listen, if I just go there, I'll, I'll stay five minutes. If if I don't want to be yeah. there, I'll leave. Then of course you're there forty minutes. Yeah, because you're there. You, if you do, that's a great way to do it too. I always say like, just focus on the next. If it's just five minutes, once you once you start moving, after five minutes you'll go, okay, another five minutes. Oh, I can do another five minutes, and then after that five minutes, your your physiology shifted again, and you've got more endorphins running through the body. Your emotional sh- state has shifted. You'll stay another five minutes, and like you said, you end up doing the full workout like what you what you probably had intended but didn't really feel like doing but it it works a hundred percent of the time hundred percent of the time and that's that when the, once the endorphins are flowing you you get addicted and you don't want them to stop and so that's mm. why it is hard uh and even you know I, I I was I was bad at this uh during last year of it took me forever to talk myself into at-home workouts because I just loved going to the gym I was like, no, if I, I'll wait till the gyms are open and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then I realized, well, I can't sit around and wait for that. I don't want this to disappear. And once again, you need to build up the habit. And so if you if you get your body to a place and build up that habit, uh, you will keep doing it. And and definitely, certainly, if you're doing weights like this, then you're forced to have that, like, stance of, like, strength. The lobster arms pushing up. The lobster See, arms. What, What's he? What he's doing, guys, is uh, his shoulder presses. Shoulder presses because you can't. Sorry. you can't. You can't see on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shoulder presses. So it's um yeah like it, it uh, yeah it, it really is. We get what we put up with, and too often mm. we have these habits that uh, you know. And, and Tony Robbins talks about it too of of, of standards. The standards now. Yeah, I also standards because I've started like you know um you know doing some drama coaching. And I, every time I talk to the class, I say, listen, I'm not, I'm not a teacher. I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm here to coach because, and, and like, you know, we're sort of like self-help coaches or, or, you know, NLP coaches. It's, it's the concept you're a coach. You're not a teacher because we have to liken it to the Olympics. And when it, this is especially with acting, if I compare this to acting, there's no, there's no coach at the Olympics saying, well, do you know the percentage of how many athletes won't go home with gold? Do you know how many athletes don't get into the Olympics? Do you know, do you know how hard it is uh, to actually, you know, compete at this level? Do you, do you know what it's like to actually, you know, they don't. They just says, you've got this. You can do it. Yes. Believe in yourself. Yes. You are a champion. And to be honest, is it not remarkable that how do they keep smashing records? <laughs> how fast can someone swim? How fast can someone run? They keep smashing it. And that mm. happened with the, the you know, uh, the four-minute mile. Yes. That basically it took years and years to, to beat that four-minute mile. And then as soon as it was beaten within that year, 30 had run a four-minute mile. Mm. Because once again, and that's, that comes back to like finding you those. You think it's possible. You think it's possible. And follow those mentors mm. or those people that you aspire to be. Get those role models. Because that yes. is an easy in. Sometimes it's hard uh, to to have the, we're not all like Edison to say, I'm going to think up the light bulb and make it so, or Henry Ford, make the car when no one knows what a car is. No one believes in you and you're just going to change the world forever. No one has that. But then what other car companies have done is, oh, I like that. I can do it too. You know, and then car companies all around the world. 
uh, or yeah. inventors all around the world. And they're going to use electricity and all of that kind of stuff. So it's um yeah, it's 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 you got to get yourself into a place physical and 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 mentally. And when you work out, you're going to eat better. But definitely, it's also what you're listening to. So you know, positive podcasts like this, uh, or, or also like I, I, I liken life to the algorithm. I feel like you get what you're looking at or what you're focused on. And yeah. I, I sort of lo- liken life to, or the universe gives you sort of like what YouTube does or even Facebook is they don't judge you. YouTube doesn't judge you, right? If you look up cute little puppies and only look at cute little puppies, your home page of YouTube will just be that, right? Yes. But, but and this is, has happened to me, if you look up, uh, you know, sort of like, um, uh, I can't even, I can't even find the world. It's, it doesn't even matter. If you, if you look up, you know, uh, you know, terrible accidents, you know, on, on the road, mm. you will just constantly be, Lord, you want more? Mate. Say that on your feed. You'll see that. And it come through. Yep, yep, oh, yep. Oh, you like watching that. Oh, here's more of it. Like they don't judge you. They just mm. want you to just pay the ad space. So if we keep you watching, <laughs> here's more of what you, what you uh, watch. And life is basically like the, the the universe doesn't judge what it is that you're focused on, but it's your choice to decide what you're focusing on, and what will come back will be more of the same. So you've got to be decisive and conscious about what it is that you're, what you want to attract into your life, basically. So what 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 are what what are you putting out there? That kind of thing. Yes. Is what Damo? No, you phrase that better than I have, and it's the concept of with Facebook whether it be Netflix or YouTube, it's all their algorithm trying to get you to watch more. And the, and the universe is doing the same thing. It wants you to keep living and doing more of what you're doing. So it's be careful. But, but, ju- but, but almost you have to judge yourself that you're like, oh, my whole page is filled with conspiracy theories. Um, you know, do they make me feel good? Not so much. Some I might believe in or some I might not. But the point is, do they make me feel good? And so now my YouTube mm. page is, and, and it's amazing, is I like inspirational leaders and, and stuff and, I keep finding these other people, Louise. Hey, I just started listening to and Florence. Oh, you're gonna love Louise. Fl- yeah, Florence Scoville sure. Shin. You know, I just discovered mm-hmm. as well. But you go down the rabbit hole of Neville Goddard and Jim Rohn, and it, it, it's Wayne Dyer and Les Brown, and even just actors, just like all of these great quotes from people around the world. Um, that then you start getting fed more of the stuff that that are empowering you. As long as what you're focusing mm-hmm. on is empowering you. Because honestly, social media can be absolutely debilitating if all you're looking at is pretty other people and you're feeling bad that you don't, that you're not. Yeah, that. just gonna be conscious, conscious about your consumption and 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 unfollow or mute. or reduce the consumption. Mute. Sometimes great mute people. Idea. If, if, if someone is doing something that you're like, oh, they make me jealous, or I, I just I, I'm not ready for that yet, or they don't make me feel good. Just mute them for thirty days and bring them back on once mm-hmm. you're feeling good. And then, and mm. then all of a sudden it won't affect you the same way and you won't care. And then yeah. you'll stop getting more of that kind of stuff. So, Triggered, uh, yeah. yeah. Here's one thing I wanted to chat to you about, Damo, because I, I like to speak to my guests about this. And as actors, I feel like we experience this a lot, um, rejection and failure. <laughs> so I am really interested to know what, your, what you feel like has been your biggest rejection or failure and what have you learnt from it? Great. That, that's a great question. Um, and this is, I would have given a different answer a couple of years ago, but now I'm in a good place that I believe there is no such thing as failure now. Mm-hmm. You have to, right? Especially yeah. in this game. It's, it's winning and learning. Yes. Love it. So 
it, it's and everything that we've learned so far, and and that's the hard thing is often when we go into an audition, you'll compare it to other auditions that maybe you didn't get like it. But the thing is, is you're building up, you're learning every time you do an audition from the last one. Oh, I did, I tried it like that. Oh, yeah, but maybe I'll try it like this. And you're just you're going forward with all the information you've absorbed over however many years you've been alive on this planet. So your decision's always going to keep changing. What's been the biggest lesson that you've learned from a rejection? Uh, don't let it consume you. Mm. It, it really, rejection can be consuming, whether it's even a breakup. You know, it can be, you, you can break up with someone or you can be rejected. Uh, and especially, you know, we, we should liken it to anybody that's not an actor, you know, any, any normal person, uh, I won't say everybody's normal, but any other person probably is going to maybe 10 to 20 job interviews in their lifetime, you know. Uh, maybe more if you, if you don't like where you are and you shuffle around a bit, maybe more. Um, but in an actor's lifetime, it's probably going to be thousands of, act, of auditions, you know. Uh, and, and, the, and the hardest part of it is it's not just a rejection, it's a no. It's, what it is, is it's like dating. It's the don't text you back. So the ghosting. It's the ghosting. So it's, it's not the I'm sorry I'm seeing someone else or oh, sorry, it's just you're not my type. It's the... Yes, because they don't even say anything. They just, that it's just silent. If you don't get a job as an actor, you don't, I mean, people, not actors often ask me this. I don't know if you get this too, Demo. Um, oh, did you hear back or did they say anything about it? It's like, no, you don't, you don't ever hear back if you don't get the job. You only hear if you get the job. And that's why and like, I stopped telling people that I had auditions. Because yes, they will forever be like, oh, have you have you heard? And 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 if 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 I've heard about the job, you'd know about it because I'd be like, I've got, I got a job, yes. so I'm working as an actor. Yes. <laughs> so it's really it's not that there's any one, but well, here's one thing I can tell you that I learned just recently is that we are our own magnet. Like I, I have this saying of we live on the frequency that we talk about frequently, right? So it's kind of. The crazy thing is Bluetooth talks to Bluetooth. It flies through the air. We can't see it. It's invisible. Wi-Fi talks to Wi-Fi. It flies through the air. Invisible. AM, FM, radio, different things. We can't see them, you know. Um, yet they Wi-Fi can't talk to Bluetooth. You know, AM can't talk mm. to FM. All of these things are going on around us and you have to get in tune. And so I know when it's come to opportunities um, and when it comes to rejection, a lot of the time, and the way I sort of see it now is, wow, I I brought that opportunity to me. So it, it was mm. actually, because sometimes the ones that hurt the most are the ones that you want the most. And, yes. and I can liken it to... And then that don't happen. That don't, that don't happen. happen. Now, I can liken this very simply to Round the Twist. Now, one of the, my favourite shows of all time, the greatest children's television on Australian TV ever in history. Yeah. I grew up watching it, absolutely loved it. Um. I was obsessed with it. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they were shooting a third season of the show. And I just worked with the company that had just done it. I did Crash Zone, which was ACTF, and the casting agent was the same, and they brought me in for, you know, round the twist three. And then I got a callback. Then I got group sessions. Then I was doing all of this. But I know that I attracted this opportunity to me. But what happened internally was that I freaked out and I repelled it. Yeah. As fast as I pulled it in, I repelled the opportunity because I thought I have such great fond memories of this show. I don't want to ruin it. I don't see myself as 
you know, I'm not quite a bully. I'm not quite Pete. Like I just had all of these things running through my mind, which was mm, talking- the subconscious beliefs. The subconscious beliefs that I'm not right for this. And so that's why it didn't progress further past those couple of, like I know that it was, yes, of course, maybe it was that I wasn't right for it. And they're always the best man for the job or the best woman for the job. But for me, I really felt like I brought that into my life and I also repelled it at the same time. And so when you see things like that, it's easier to work on it as opposed to, oh, my, man, like, oh, the casting agent or, oh, the producers didn't, like, oh, what a shame. And I, oh, I, I blame, I blame. It's easy to blame everyone else. But if you take full responsibility for everything that happens in your life, um, yeah. with every role and every audition you do and, and you know, it, it just, it always does work out. Like I, I can yeah. compare this last year is that I, you know, auditioned for so many, um, so many things that I wasn't fussed on at all. And when I wasn't hearing, I was finding it funny because I was like, wow, it's like, I, I I'm, I'm repelling it because I don't really want it, but I, I feel like I'm nailing the auditions, but sure. I'd be happy to do it. And then, the biggest, most, you know, a movie I would book. And I would be like, yeah. wow, like all of these little ones that that I didn't really want, but, you know, I was like, oh, I should do. But then I booked the real one that was right for me and perfect. And it was, yeah. it was you know, I would have been, yeah, disappointed if I got those other things instead of this one. So it always, there's, there's always going to be more opportunities. Just know that. And you need to eradicate that thought that, um, you know, the first thing we hear as actors is, uh, you know, 99% of actors aren't working. Mm -hmm. And I've got a quote for that. I, I, I heard, you know, or saw Pacino had this quote, which was, if you're auditioning, if you are, you know, doing classes, if you are creating content, you are a working actor. It's mm -hmm. the, being on set and working, you do that for free. Like that is so mm -hmm. easy and so fun. Like, yes, you get paid yeah. really nicely for it and you are getting paid for that, but it's the, it's the working to create your career. It's the, you know, yeah. going out, doing a podcast. Like, you know, you're doing all of these, these you're setting up the foundation uh, for the career tower that you're building on top of it. So, mm, there's so there's so much other stuff that goes into being an actor as well. I think that, that pr probably as a non-actor, you don't really realise because you only, you only ever see the shows or the hit shows or the big movies or whatever. But I think... If you are on the ground with actors and understand the work ethic and what needs to go into the back end of, of people developing their craft, you know, there's so much that needs to go into that. So it's kind of like you also need to look at that work, you know, as, a, as, as, as what you're saying, the working actor is, is doing the work. That's, that's part of it. And to become a master of anything, you need 10,000 hours. And, and that's a lot of hours. You know, and so with each of them, that's why that's, that's why now it's like every audition or every time I'm helping someone else with an audition or any of those things, it's like I'm just I'm just working on I'm just getting to those hours. I'm just learning more every single time, and you learn from other people. And it's um, yeah, I I, I do want to touch on something very quickly too. Being an actor, and, and the hard thing is, and what I noticed was that what is kind of devastating is that no matter what success people were at. They could be doing the massive franchise movies. They could be doing massive series. They could be doing getting a pilot. They could be just getting an agent. Doesn't matter. No one was really enjoying the moment. Everyone was like, "Oh, let's just wait till it premieres. Let's just wait to wait till it rates well. Let's just wait till it makes lots at the box office. Let's just wait until the sequel makes lots at the box. Let's just wait until you know I'm the lead of the movie. 
you know, it's, it's like no one was willing to celebrate, you know, sort of like their success now. And, yeah. and so that's what I think we should be doing more in our lives is just, you know, celebrate today. Yeah, enjoy the process. The process is where it's at. I think too, a lot of the time, I know we talk about goals and it's great to have a goal as a point of direction. So you kind of know where you're going, not to say that you can't deviate off that off that uh, track or that road, but that gives you a point to go go in. But the, the fulfillment and the joy that you get from life or anything that you do is in the process of the doing. So if you're not enjoying the process of the doing, because it's all well and good to say, oh, I'm an actor. Uh, But if you don't enjoy the process of being an actor, then there's no point being an actor, you know, like if you don't enjoy auditioning, if you don't, or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be an actor, whatever it is that you're doing in your life, if you don't enjoy actually doing the day to day. And I think, I can't remember who said this, but I think it could have been, I have to look up who it was, but you need to enjoy the grind like life is hard. Think goals are hard. Dreams are hard. Choose your hard because, you know, really you can go any which way, but it's all, it's all going to be hard, but which one will you enjoy the most yeah. basically? Yeah. That's really all you need to do, right? And there's this misconception of an end, especially with acting. Yes. That, that it's like, oh, when I get that, when I, and to be honest, the, the end is death guys. So it's the concept of you may as well enjoy the whole journey the whole way. You don't want to be like, well, I only enjoyed that year because I was doing that film or I only enjoyed yes. oh, those three years because I, you know, I did three years on, the, on that show. It, it's like you want to enjoy every aspect of it. Um, and, and you will find discoveries. There will be things in you that, that you want to evolve. That, that is the plan. We want to become from, we want to go from caterpillars to butterflies. You know, it's, mm. we have to make that evolution change um, in ourselves. And, and I always, I'm, I'm always heartbroken when I think of the late Robin Williams, the greatest yes. comedian of all time, let alone comedic actor, uh, Oscar winner. Mm. Uh, you know, what a beautiful man he was. The joy that he brought to, I'd say, billions on the planet in his lifetime. Yeah. And, and, to sort of the way he sort of left us was devastating. And you just think, well, that that's, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. I, I, that's so sad. I remember that moment. It was literally the anniversary of his death was literally like yesterday, I think. Oh, was it? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yes. I didn't even know that. Yet. Uh, it, was, it was quite a, but a long, you know, quite a few years ago, but I do remember that moment. And it is because he brought so much joy to everybody and, and with what he did with his work, it was such a devastating moment I know to hear how he died and why he died because of you know his depression and obviously and and um, and, and, and it's so common and it's so common yes. uh especially in actors I've seen it in a lot mm. of actors especially in LA uh but also in people and you yes. know we see this online and people act up in different ways and it's it's life is meant to be enjoyed and I, I really do believe that we can make it heaven on earth and I feel like I am I am discovering that now with the birth of my beautiful daughter muse and uh, and even my marriage it's, it's kind of that funny thing of you know my my wife and i it was our anniversary yesterday our wedding anniversary happy anniversary to you and i years together <laughs> and, and uh, but, but nine and a half sort of you know like knowing each other and and the funny thing is is, is every, anytime we reminisce back on anything whether it was even say like at our wedding i loved her more than when i proposed and then two years later, I love her more than the, our wedding day. Now, it sounds weird to say that because it sounds like, wait a second, you didn't love her as much? Back, but it's like, no, it's like. No, it grows. It grows. 
And that's what life is supposed to be and acting is supposed to evolve and life is supposed to evolve. There will be people that come in and out of your life at different times. That That's always going to happen. You can't choose your family, um, you know, but 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 you there will be things in your like that you can love. So really it's just like try to give love everywhere you are. I always, I, I heard this great thing by Wayne Dyer, which was the concept of we think that we want to be right. Like a lot of people in life just are constantly like, oh, you know, like this is the right way. This is the truth. This is what it should be. You're right. But really what we want is love. So if you if you go forth in everything, and this is what I'm, I'm trying to do, uh, you know, be open to everything, attached to nothing, is to not try and be right but be loved. And yeah. so if you're, say, even talking to a sibling or a loved one and you have different uh, views on something, then you're going to come at it different if, if you're like, well, I want to be right. And a lot of the time, why do we want to be right? Because we think if they see that I'm right, they'll love me more. If everyone, yes, so it comes back to love anyway. <laughs> it comes back to love. If everyone knows that yes. Damo's right about all of this stuff, about everything he's spewing, then, oh, I'll love him more. No, no. It's like I, I, I'm evolving. I'm still learning things I'm saying in this podcast now. That's why, to be honest, I'm trying to be more honest. In the past, I would have been like, listen, what if I don't agree with this in a year's time? So part of it is too accepting, accepting exactly where you are on your journey and, and being okay with that. Yes. And it is what it is. I mean, like you are who you are at this moment in time. In a year from now, we could probably do another podcast interview and see where you're at. And maybe you will have changed some views. Who knows? But we're always, like you're saying, always constantly growing and always constantly learning. And I think, uh, but one thing I, th- I think about you is that that has remained the same is always your energy and just so much, the, the energy that you bring to people is so amazing. So I'm so, so, so grateful to have you on the show, Damo. It's been such a pleasure and I feel like there's been so many nuggets of wisdom that you've brought through with what we've spoken about today. So I really do thank you again for being being on the show. Rach Jay, thank you so much. It has been an honest, uh, like we didn't know where we were going to go with this. It obviously went way no. longer than what we thought it would. <laughs> uh, I appreciate anybody listening and, of course, everybody. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for what you do and, and bringing this to uh, your wider community. So thank you so much, uh, Rach. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Shoot for the moon and end up amongst the stars. That's it. Thank you so much for joining me, Damo. It's been such a pleasure. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you screenshot this episode and share it to your IG stories. You can tag Damo at Damien Bodie and Rach Active. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Rach Active podcast. Podcast.